God is at work. He's doing things. He has a plan. He has purposes. He has a will. He has desires, things that he wants to see happen. And the question for us is, are we going to join God and help move his purposes forward, or are we going to resist God or sit on the sidelines? The Bible is very clear that at the end, when this world winds up, all that will remain will be the kingdom of God. It will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you don't want to waste your life, then spend it on the things that are going to last. Spend yourself promoting the plans of God, moving his purposes forward. Because then, when you come to the end, nothing you have uh, done will be lost You'll be rewarded, and uh, you'll hear from your creator, well done, good and faithful servant. We are studying the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet sent by God to speak to his people about 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And in our text today, um, Isaiah, uh, the people of the, the ten northern tribes have already been hauled off into exile by the Assyrians. And Isaiah is from the kingdom of Judah, the two southern tribes. And he's got the news that he's telling them is, guys, Assyria has conquered the ten northern tribes, but the Babylonians are coming and they're going to take you off into captivity as well. And God's people, as you can imagine, are... Um, quite distressed. Uh, things are just out of control. There is uh, chaos in their lives. Uh, they've just seen, you know, so many of their uh, fellow Jews hauled off into exile, and they're wondering, are we still safe in God's care? Is God still in charge? Um, the dominant worldview in, in the day said, uh, the, the, the country whose God was the strongest prevailed in, in the military conflicts. And so we've just seen Assyria hauled off into exile. Does that mean that Assyria's God's stronger than our God? When the Babylonians come and uh, destroy the southern kingdom and take them off into exile, Isaiah knows that, that God's people are going to be asking, are the gods of Babylon greater than our God? And, and if so, are we actually still safe in God's care? And so when there is uncertainty in our lives, when there is chaos and trouble in our lives, uh, we can sometimes begin to doubt. Is God actually in control of my life? And am I safe in his care? And so Isaiah affirms the glorious truth that God is Lord of history. God is in control, and he is moving his plans forward toward their predetermined great end. And that is true, no matter what the circumstances uh, or the situation on the ground in our lives looks like in, in this moment. And so, I tell you, personally, 
I have never lived in a more uncertain time. Uh, it is hard to, it's hard to plan school in the fall. It's hard to plan as a, as a leader in the church. Are we going to be able to have in-person services or not? And things keep changing, and we don't know what th this COVID-19 is going to do. And there's, there's racial tension in our country and a lot of political turmoil, and things just feel troubled. And, and I need to be uh, uh, reminded, and so do you, that God is in control. In fact, I have been uh, telling myself over and over again, the last few months, <clears throat> God is still in control, and none of the promises that he has made to me are at risk at this time, and so although the situation on the ground seems uncertain, my life is actually very certain because it's rooted in the promises of God. It's rooted in a God who does not change and who always keeps his word, and so if, if my hope, if my joy, if my peace if my confidence comes from my uh, relationship with God, then I can remain calm and at peace, full of joy, full of hope, full of confidence, even in uh, the craziness. Even in the craziness. Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. And today we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. So Isaiah is not giving a new teaching. He is simply reminding God's people of what they should know. Key truths about God that can help them stand firm in the day of chaos, stand firm in the day of of uncertainty. <clears throat> you know, uh, by the way, if you say to yourself, I go to church to learn new things, and if I'm not taught something new, I'm not satisfied, well, it's, it's good to learn more, but I'll tell you, we need to be reminded of the basics over and over and over again. And so one of the reasons that we don't uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, is to encourage one another, to provoke, to love and good works. We have to keep reminding ourselves of these core and important truths. I am God, and there is no other. The gods of the Assyrians, the gods of the Babylonians, they're not actually gods. They're man-made there is no other God, there's only me. I'm God and there's no other. I am God and there's no one like me. He is unique. God is unique. Now, <clears throat> um, one of the reasons I, one of the burdens Isaiah has is to continue to um, spike the, the truth that although God is going to that although the Assyrians are going to conquer uh, the, God's people and all the although the Babylonians are going to conquer God's people, they are merely tools in God's hand. What's really going on is God is disciplining his children. He's doing what he's told him he would do hundreds and hundreds of years earlier when he said, 
here are the conditions of the covenant. If you break the covenant, I will remove you from the promised land. They've broken the covenant repeatedly. They have been uh, resisted any of his uh, calls for return and change. And so now he's doing what he said he was going to do. And he's saying, I don't want you to mistakenly think that the, the Assyrians and the Babylonians and their gods are actually in control of anything. I'm in control. I am Lord of history. I am just using them as my tools. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I'll accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I'll bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. So Isaiah here um, highlights or underlines Four characteristics of God that can help us stand firm in the times of trouble. And the first one is this. God sees the future. He sees the whole future. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. God is the only one in the universe who can see the future. Satan can't see the future. The demons can't see in the future. No human can see the future. God is unique in that he stands outside of time and he sees it all. God sees the end from the beginning. He sees exactly how this world will play out and he knows how it will end up. And God's positive about this. <coughs> he, he's not stressed or wringing his hands. Because he sees that at, at the end, all that remains is my kingdom. God is on top. God's people are on top. And so God sees the whole and says, it's, it has a great ending. And then he tells us, don't be sad. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Be confident. Be happy. Be joyful. Uh, be encouraged because it's going great places. Your best is in front of you. Your, the best days are still yet to come. It's going to be great. And this is, I love it. God talks to us at, with the expectation that we should feel uh, some of the victory now that awaits us because you will overcome, because it's going to it's going to all uh, wind up in victory for God and God's people, well, today you should be encouraged um, no matter what's going on in your life. And so we're, we are, uh, we are um, pressed, but we're not crushed, right? We're at times of trouble, but we don't despair. We always have a, a, a hope, a reason to hope, a reason for peace and joy and confidence in our lives. So, I want you to stand firm by, re by recalling this to mind, remembering this. God sees the whole future. Nothing surprises him. Nothing happens to you that God, that surprises the Lord. He's like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. That kind of changes the equation. I don't know if I can 
fulfill my promises to you in light of that happening. Nope. God's nothing surprises the Lord, and he sees it all. Second characteristic of God that Isaiah underlines for us is the fact that God makes plans. Saying, my counsel shall stand. So God takes counsel within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he makes plans. He thinks things through, and he says, I want this to happen, and not that. And I'm going to bring this about. Now, this is important. It's important that God makes plans. Because it means that uh, we live in a world that has meaning, intrinsic meaning. It matters to God, therefore, it's important. You matter to God, therefore, you are important. <clears throat> um, the biblical worldview is not uh, the world came to be by random evolutionary processes and there is no ultimate meaning to, to the universe. Um, I don't know exactly how God made it, but the Bible is very clear that the world came to be because God chose to make the world, and he had a purpose in making it. And everything that goes on in the world matters to God. It matters to God. <clears throat> God is not a, a dispassionate watchmaker who just sort of created the universe and then just lets it go, and he doesn't care what happens. He cares. He cares, not only globally, he cares very individually. He cares about you. He cares about what happens to you. He cares about what you do. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He calls you by name. And he has a plan for your life. There are things that God wants you to do, and there are things God wants you, does not want you to do. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Well, what does that mean? It means that God is going to hold us accountable for the way that we live the life that he gave us. In other words, did you live your life in accordance with my will? Did you seek to further my purposes? Or did you, did you live your life contrary to the way I wanted you to? God has a will for you. And you are a creature. And so as a creature, you don't, we don't have the freedom to just say, I'm going to live however I want to live without regard to anybody else, if, if it feels good to me, if it makes sense to me, I can do that. Well, you can, but you will suffer the consequences. Rather, you, we say, I'm a creature. I was created. I have a creator, a creator who has a will for my life. And I need to, I need to work to discover what is his will for my life so I can live in harmony with his will so that at the end of the day, I don't hear, depart from me, I never knew you. I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want. So, in order to stand firm, we're being reminded of four truths. Number one, God sees the whole future. And he knows that it, how it, that it winds up uh, good for the Christian. And so he cheers us on and now and says, be encouraged because things are going in the right direction and it's going to wind up awesome. Number two, uh, Isaiah reminds us that God makes plans. He has a will. Uh, he wants things to go a certain way, and he has a plan for your life. Are you, going to, uh, are you going to step into God's will for your life, or are you going to resist God's will? 
third truth about God. Uh, <clears throat> we've, we see here, uh, I will accomplish all my purpose. So third characteristic that Isaiah underlines is the fact that God fulfills his purposes. Not, not some of them. Here's what we need to understand. God's promises to us are not campaign promises. Okay? Somebody's on the campaign trail. They make a bunch of promises. You don't expect them to keep all their promises. You hope they keep some of them, and, and hopefully they keep the ones that are important to you. But you're kind of like, maybe, if, you, if you're, you know, when you vote for your candidate. <clears throat> God's promises are not like campaign promises. God says, all my purposes I will accomplish. Everything I set out to do, I will do. Every promise I make, I will keep. Not some. Not the ones that I, you know, the big ones. All of them. Every single one. Nobody can say this except God because God has power. He is Lord of history. And no one can thwart God. Satan, the demons, they try. People that Satan and the demons have gotten on their side who have begun to fight against God and hate God, they, they, will re, they will try to oppose God, but they will fail utterly. They will have zero success. Zero success. I will accomplish all my purposes. Everything God sets out to do, he does. Now, this is good news for the Christian. Why? Because we, we base our life decisions around the promises of God. God. The Bible says God has made us great and glorious promises in Christ Jesus. Now, that's God's assessment. <laughs> he knows that what he has promised us is awesome. He has made great and glorious promises to us in Jesus Christ, and we, we root our lives on those promises, and we live out of it. And we make very practical decisions. How am I going to spend my money? How am I going to spend my time? What am I going to pursue? What am I going to say yes to and no to? And we make very concrete life decisions based on the promises of God. And we need to know that those promises will be kept. And so you see, here are God's people who are undergoing the, the, the chaos of the exile. And some of them are starting to, the, to question, hey, am I safe in God's cares? care? Is, are his promises you know, still going to be to come to pass? Is he, in fact, the Lord of history or not? And, and they needed to be reminded, and you and I need to be reminded, God is in control, and he will keep every single promise that he made. And so, there is no risk to basing your life upon the promises of God. In fact, it is the sure thing. There is nothing else in life that is a sure thing. This is the most sure thing possible. It is sure. You can take God's word to the bank and you can base your life upon his promises and he's going to keep all his promises and it will pay off. Okay, so God sees the whole future and he says it's going to be awesome for the Christian. And, and, and because he knows the future and he knows who wins, it, it steals us to continue to stand firm in our faith. 
God makes plans. He has a will. Uh, he cares about what we do and we don't do. That helps us uh, stand firm. And all of, God's, uh, all of God's purposes will be accomplished. The promises he's made, he'll keep. And that helps us stand firm. And then finally, <clears throat> let me focus on this. He says, I have spoken, verse 11, and I'll bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Underline, I have spoken. Um, God has told us his plans. He has revealed to us his purposes. Now, why? Why does he do that? In fact, right, just a little bit, he talks about um, Cyrus calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, and that was Cyrus he was going to raise up in order to um, return his people to the promised land. James preached about that last week. And so um, God, through Isaiah, foretold the coming of Cyrus long before he was even born. And why does God reveal his plans to people? Yes, so that when he does it, we can look and say, God is God. Absolutely. It's an apologetic. But it's also, and maybe, maybe primarily, so that we may join him. God tells us what, he's, what his purposes are. He tells us what his plans are so that we can join him and, and uh, help move those purposes forward, help him accomplish his plans. Okay? This is very important. Now, <clears throat> What, uh, what are God's plans? What is his will? What are his purposes? That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have the Bible. God has revealed himself to us in the Bible. And by his mighty power, he has preserved it for us over thousands of years so that we can read it, know the will of God, line our lives up with the will of God, and help join him in moving his big purposes forward. All scripture is God-breathed, is profitable for doctrine, correction, instruction, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has revealed his plans to us, his purposes, so that we can join him. <clears throat> there are three kinds of people uh, with regard to uh, the plans of God. Uh, some, and let me give you the illustration of like a soccer field or a football, football field. There are people who are on God's team moving the ball uh, forward. Then there are people on the opposite team trying to hinder God's purposes in the world. And then there are people on the sidelines. We do not want to be on the opposing team thwarting God's purposes in the world. That will be judged. We don't want to be on the sidelines because there's no reward for those who are on the sidelines. We want to be in the game, on God's side, moving his purposes forward because that's, that's what is rewarded. That's what, at the end of the day, God says, hey... <clears throat> Look what remains, my kingdom. And you put time and treasure and talents while you were on alive 
building my kingdom. And so what you, what you did has not been lost. You have something to show for your life. And in fact, I'm going to reward you because you were faithful in this life and in the life to come, you will be rewarded. Now, I don't think it's as simple as, as, simple as asking, you know, am I on God's team or am I on the sidelines or am I opposing God? I think, I think all of us play all those positions sometimes. Let me explain. Now, what are the purposes of God? The purposes of God are God wants all people to walk humbly with him, to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, to be uh, a part of his church, using their spiritual gifts, doing good, not evil, telling the truth, and uh, rejecting the lie. And God's purposes are, are pretty clearly spelled out here. Now, if what, what happens if I... God is for righteousness and justice, right? So, so what? Ha where am I when I am um, yelling at my wife, or I am being a lazy father, right? Uh, oh, where am I if I am looking at pornography or I'm buying drugs, right? Well, there are Christians. What, what it means is I'm I'm over there on the opposing team. I am opposing the purposes of God in the world when I sin. And unfortunately, there are Christian people who are spending uh, too much of their time over there on the opposing team, opposing the purposes of God in the world. Now, what about the sidelines? Well, when I am using my talent, treasure, and time for my own personal pleasure or to build my earthly kingdom rather than the, the, the purposes of God. I'm on the sideline. I'm on the sideline. And, and sometimes I am on the sidelines when I should be in the game. But there are times in my life uh, when I am spending my time and my treasure and my talents actively uh, moving God's purposes downfield. When I am involved in building God's kingdom very concretely, very purposefully, right? And so here's, here's the deal. I want to be in the game, actively moving God's purposes forward more often. I don't want to find myself over there on the opposing team, and I don't want to be on the sidelines. And I need to make adjustments in my life, and so do you. So do you. We need to make adjustments. Because at the end of the day, we're, the, when we're sitting on the sidelines, you get to the end of your life, you get to the end of your life, you're going to look back and say, I should have spent more time on the sidelines. I should have spent more time uh, on the other team opposing the, per the things of God. No, <clears throat> you will not. You will say, uh, I, I am very glad, uh, I am very proud of and glad for, for every moment I was, um, I was involved in moving God's purposes forward because that's clearly what mattered. That was what was significant. That's what God rewards. And man, I wish I had spent less time on, on the sidelines. And Lord, forgive me for every time I, try, I 
was actively working against your purposes in the world. God is at work in the world. He's doing stuff. He cares about things. He has desires. He wants some things to happen and other things to not happen. You and I have an opportunity because of God's graciousness and his self-revelation. We can know the will of God. And he invites us to join him in moving his purposes forward. And he promises <clears throat> every, every, uh, everything you do with me, moving my purposes forward, will be rewarded. The Bible does warn that there will be Christians who make it into heaven, but they have nothing to show for their lives. Because they, and what is it saying? It's saying they didn't spend any time on the field on God's team, moving his purposes forward. All right. Now, I, I want you to take stock of your life. Three positions. You're on the opposing team. You're on the sidelines. You're on God's team, actively moving his purposes forward. And without anybody looking... <laughs> Uh, I, I would recommend that you draw a circle, like a pie chart, and then you, you divide the pie. What percentage of your life do you think is spent on opposing the things of God? You're involved in sin. What percentage of your life is, is the sideline? You're, you're spending your time, treasure, and talents pursuing your own pleasures or building your own kingdom. What part, you know, how big of... Uh, what part of your life is spent actively pushing uh, the things of God downfield? And so take honest, you know, dry the pipe chart and take some uh, honest introspection. And then here's the good news. The good news is God, God uh, offers us the opportunity to change and he empowers us to change. So then you say, what do I want that? Uh, my life to look like? What do I want that pie chart to look like? And then you, you confess this as you need to, you repent where you need to, and you ask God to help you um, be on the field with him more often. Uh, more often. Now listen, I want to also say, um, just you do not need to be a pastor. You do not need to be a missionary. You don't need to be on church staff in order to be on God's team. There are there are untold different ways that you can be promoting the purposes of God in this world. It's so many varied possibilities. And here's one that you can do no matter how healthy you are, no matter how wealthy you are, and whether or not we're locked down with COVID or free to roam around, and that's pray. Pray. The Bible is clear that God honors the prayers of his people. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. God responds to the prayers of his people. He works through the prayers of his people. And we can pray. And I think we need to pray right now for our country. Sabrina and I were on a walk the other night, and I was saying, you know, hon, I'm, I don't even know how to pray. There's part of me that feels like we have been sowing, as a country, we have been sowing to the wind for so long, 
we're reaping the whirlwind. Of course we're reaping the whirlwind. And she said, that's why you pray for repentance. We pray that God, that people would repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ and start to align themselves with the will of God. That's a right prayer. And that can be done person to person to person. And maybe, maybe God would bless us with, an, uh, with a revival in our land, a revival in our world. We certainly need it. We certainly need it. So I want to encourage you to uh, be on the field with God in prayer this coming week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. Thank you for Isaiah, uh, his faithfulness to his calling. And Lord, I thank you that you have cared enough about us that you reveal yourself to us and then you preserve your word for us today. And we are blessed by opening these verses and hearing from you, Lord. Uh, may we be on the field with you more often. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.